In this episode, we meet Andre Belyakov. Andre is a member of the CFA Institute, a professional derivative trader and fund manager with over 10 years of experience with 20 billion euros of assets under management within his portfolios. Andre is an entrepreneur, a private venture investor, and advisor to several fintech startups. We talk about his blockchain project, Opium. Opium Protocol is a universal protocol to create, settle, and trade virtually all derivatives in a trustless way. It has set up smart contracts that allow anyone to construct and trade financial derivatives on any underlying value. All of this can be done without intermediaries, such as notaries, banks, brokers, and exchanges, and the system is designed to operate completely decentralized. The synthetic derivatives create and use leverage to, to trade derivatives on any underlying value, which still keep full ownership of your, of your positions and in, manage risk through various parameters and market views with counterparties. We talk about how this platform is going to transform institutional trading, and we wrap up with talking about his biggest regret in life. The material contained on this web series and podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell security, nor is it to be construed as investment advice. Learn more at opium.network. Hey, Andre, can you hear me? Yes, super. Great. Hey, how are you doing? Not so bad, not so bad. So, Jewel, right? That's the right pronunciation. That is my pronunciation, yeah. Um, so, it's noon over there, right? Uh, yeah, around it. So, uh, one o'clock. So, I'm in Amsterdam. Okay, great. Cool, yeah. So, look, I saw your project on Telegram. I was really interested in learning about, you know, more. So, why don't we kind of go through um, a little bit of your background, you know, how you got into crypto, and um, you know, maybe just walking us through your project. You know, this is and this was specifically in the DeFi channel. Um, so you know, you're you know, it's something that you're working on. What problem are you trying to solve? Maybe you can start with all that good stuff, and I'll chime in uh, and add some stuff where, where needed. Yeah, uh, how's that sound? Sure, sure. So short about okay. my background. Uh, short about my background. I started long time ago as a mathematician, and I was uh, in Russia back then. So I was uh, basically doing mathematical mm -hmm. career in uh, the top Russian university, busy with theory of probabilities and some Q theory actually, which is uh, very close to the blockchain. That's uh, part of mathematics, which uh, looks how big a distributed system work. So, but then uh, back then uh, in Russia, it was difficult uh, to do mathematics only. And I switched to the risk management and financial markets. So that was around uh, 13 years ago, I think. I started and actually I like it. I saw that you can use mathematics in a uh, real financial world. So uh, after a couple of years, it, uh, I was at KPMG back then. And um, I realized that I need to go uh, for the fundamental education. And I choose Amsterdam. So that's how I end up here. And uh, I start after my uh, second master. I started to work in finance uh, in a front office. So I was busy with all kinds of uh, asset management uh, and specializing in fixed income and uh, derivatives because that's the most mathematical uh, part of finance probably. So you can apply mathematics there a lot every day. So you, uh, it's very mathematical. Comparing to equity, for example, it's very mathematical. So, and I was busy uh, sure. with uh, managing the... I was from, from a very junior analyst. I was... Uh, growing till the senior fund manager that's one of the biggest actually fund in 
Europe and in the world. So uh, it was a lot of fun. But uh, one of my friends, he dropped me uh, once a paper called Ethereum ICO on my desk. And he was really convinced that it's, it's something cool. I knew about Bitcoin. I was looking at some uh, financial innovation uh, at that time. But uh, that was something like, okay, this is completely new, this uh, blockchain 2.0. He said, I said, okay, okay, really cool, but I'm busy, sure. so forget about <laughs> it. <laughs> but he was insisting. So what year was that? What year? Yeah, uh, what uh, year were they, uh, you know, was, were, was he dropping that paper on your four, desk? Just, just before uh, the ICO. So what is, what is uh, 14, I think, something like this, so around like okay. four or five years ago, just before the sure. Ethereum ICO. Yeah. And uh, I said, okay, that's interesting, but uh, I have no time for it. But he was insisting and bringing it again and again. <laughs> and, again. and actually, uh, once I read it, I understand, okay, this is, uh, that can be something. So um, we participate in Ethereum ICO. That was uh, one of the, the, the people, actually, who was from Genesis Block. And since then, we were uh, trying to develop uh, looking more like a hobby. So uh, develop some applications, look how it works. Being the FECA system, we didn't uh, think that uh, this investment will bring something, though it brings uh, quite, quite, quite something for us. But uh, since then, uh, it was slowly going from the hobby to the real, real job or real uh, hope for the future, what I, I want to do. And uh, we were investing in uh, all kinds of ICOs. So it was maybe 20 ICOs per year at 15, 16. I believe, and uh, they were interesting. Uh, we were investing, we were looking, we were trying to uh, see how the ecosystem is uh, growing. Uh, but then suddenly uh, the hype uh, happened, and instead of 20 ICOs, it was 20,000 ICOs probably per year, and it was very difficult to find something uh, cool because everybody was, uh, you know, bullshitting. Let's let's call it uh, directly. So and uh, so Andre, real quick, so the. Um when you guys were investing, was that through the fund or you kind of read the paper, got interested and you just kind of invested your own money? Actually, actually, it was funny. I, uh, once I invested all my bonus, which I earned uh, in my okay. uh, job as fund manager, I just invested uh, all my bonus and I said it to all my colleagues that uh, I'm going to do this. So it was uh, around uh, the March, uh, I think uh, two years ago. Uh, okay. And... So um, normally investment bankers, they got the bonus in March. So I told everybody, everybody was laughing sure. at me and saying, Andre, you're crazy. So, but if you want to burn your money, you know, burn your money, it's fine. So it was pr private funds. And this sure. was like, yeah, for, for us, I was always looking to invest uh, somewhere, some VC. And that, yeah, that was private. So, uh, yeah. and, and I, with the bank, yeah. which maybe you can, maybe you can back up. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe you can back up a second and, um, Talk about the bank, you know, what you specifically did at the bank. Um, you know, normally when you're an investment banker, you do, you know, you help with offerings, you help, um, you know, do M&A deals. Um, yeah. You said you were kind of managing a fund. Um, so what, you know, what type of assets were in that fund? And, um, you know, what type of transactions do you normally uh, lead yeah. or be part of? Yeah, sure. So that was a buy side, first of all. So I was uh, responsible for managing portfolios, which were backed by the pension funds in Holland and US, uh, insurance companies, third parties, uh, different funds, different portfolios, different level of risk. Uh, most of it were uh, rates, what you call rates. So that's uh, all kind of derivatives and uh, cash products uh, related to interest rates. So that's uh, okay. bonds 
and mostly government bonds because portfolios were big. In total, uh, we manage around 30 billion, I think, uh, USD uh, in all portfolios. <laughs> and uh, sure. cash, cash bonds were a big part of it, but we also had some overlay strategies and some uh, kind of hedge funds in the interest rate space. So we almost no mandate. So everything is possible. And that was, of course, more uh, sexy, more interesting part of the job. Okay. So and was uh, this in the UK markets or was it in the, uh, the American markets? Uh, both. Uh, glo global, actually. Okay, so, it's both. Uh, we were allowed to okay. also look to emerging market bonds. And uh, mm -hmm. last year, we actually did a lot because uh, that was more attractive over the last three, four years. It is becoming more attractive. Yeah. Comparing comparing to developed markets. Sure. So and uh, yeah, and just, I'm actually let, let, me, let me just finish the story uh, to the logical end how yeah, we started sure. Opium, and then I'm happy to answer your questions. Because yeah, I believe you have some. Uh, so uh, when we didn't find that, uh, when we saw that it's twenty thousand of ICOs per year, as I said, and uh, it's uh, very difficult to find something, and at the same time our investments were doing very well. So we decided that uh, we want to do our own project. If we can find projects, uh, good projects sure. uh, that we like, it's very difficult. So I'm sure it was a lot of projects. <laughs> uh, we decided to uh, make our own project and what to focus on, uh, we decided to focus on uh, derivatives because I was busy with derivatives uh, most of my life. So I know a little yeah. bit about it. And that, that was the, how it happened. So. Okay. Yeah, no, the only question I was going to ask was, um, you know, when you were, you know, managing this portfolio, um, I'm familiar with the buy side space. I worked at, you know, a couple fintech companies and, you know, specifically on the analytics side, um, you know, I looked at how people manage their holdings and their portfolio. So I was just curious to know what, you know, what platforms you use, you know, do you use Bloomberg, do you use Thomson Reuters, um, you know, what, and what do you recommend, you know, are, are there pros and cons to, the technology platforms you use. Um, well, mostly it's, it's like surfing in Bloomberg for me. Yeah, we had subs subscriptions okay. to most of the platforms, most of the major platforms. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, we did subscribe, for example, we did have a subscription to uh, Reuters, but uh, hardly use it. Okay. For me, it was, uh, to sure. be honest, uh, Bloomberg and Excel most of the time, because uh, from Bloomberg, you can get okay. the data, a, lo a lot of raw data, actually, you can uh, get to Excel mm -hmm. and then you can do any uh, everything in Excel. So. Let me ask you this. Why do you think Bloomberg has been so resilient? I mean, they've been around for a long time. There's a lot of startups that are coming into the space, I feel, that are cheaper, that can do the same thing. How, how do you think Bloomberg has still stayed on top and, you know, made it a point to just, you know, kill all the competitors? Do you think they're acquiring all the startups? Or are they just completely blowing them out of the water? I mean, that's... It just gets me how an incumbent still stays so long. Some people just use Bloomberg for the tr for the chat. Um, yeah. So you know your thoughts on that would be interesting as well. Well, I can rephrase. This is a philosophical question. I can rephrase it uh, and ask you the same question about the Bitcoin. So why do you think uh, Bitcoin <laughs> is so popular? I hate when people I do that. <laughs> I know a lot of coins. I'm That's better, the best thing to do so when. Uh, no, I mean, I think that's the best way to, you know, that's the best strategy. When somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer or you don't want to answer, you're like, you know what, let me ask you 
what do you think about that um no 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 i'm trying to so i'm trying to to make a hint i'm i'm trying to hint you that uh maybe bloomberg is not the best but just like bitcoin yeah. uh everybody trusts bloomberg all institutional investment sure. investors they look at bloomberg yeah. they don't want to change so on so on so uh i'm just trying to say that it's uh, the same underlying reasons i see so it's kind of bitcoin uh, -huh. uh in a in a classical financial world so everybody know it everybody no, no, trusts it perfect. everybody use it yeah yeah no that's a perfect analogy i was just uh, having a little fun there um but yeah no I, i agree i mean i think it's um especially in the financial space trust is everything you know one of the themes that we're going to talk about because we you know we're, we're going to talk about your story but i want to talk about a couple themes that are related to my investment thesis and i mean trustless systems in the future um for me is a big thing you know we, we believe that if we put ten thousand dollars in the bank you know, if you're a developed country that ten thousand dollars is still there um because there's trust but i think in the future we may not have to depend on these trusted systems everything will kind of be self-executing there'll be smart contracts um and you won't need trust because it's just a system kind of the network effects of the system uh make it happen on its own um but we'll we'll talk about that in a second um let's talk a little more about bloomberg um and some of these other platforms you know they're they're an incumbent you like the you know you like that you can trust them what components are the most important to a buy side uh you know manager within the platform um uh, as i said to get raw data because most of the time i i was using maybe 80% of the time I was using the raw data. Uh, you have a lot of reports, you have a lot sure. of calls, you have a lot of analytics coming. Mm -hmm. Uh 99% of it is useless. Let me put it also okay. honest and direct. So sometimes you you do you uh, do have good calls, uh, good news but uh yeah. everything in the market uh it's in the market. So you need to do your own analysis. Sure. You need to be independent so the raw data is more important I would say. And uh, then you do some uh, tricks in Excel uh, to calculate what is the standard deviation of the news coming, what is that score and the fund managers yeah. know it. And uh, most of the time they don't so much in love with uh, economists. So uh look at Nassim Taleb and uh, sure. what he, he he says about economists. Uh, a little bit the same about the market research unless it's a corporate bond and uh, there is uh, analytics which uh, quite objective translation of the balance sheet to the report then i believe this is use, use, useful but uh, if um, yeah. you have a report about interest rate and fed is uh, doing uh, i mean doesn't mean you anything mm -hmm. most of the time sure so you export the raw data and then you pretty much just do your own models and analysis outside of the system within within yeah. your own excel yeah. yeah okay some of these systems also have office uh plugins so i don't know if those are valuable at all like can you take the data do some models and then plug that back into bloomberg to show some type of charting or um yeah. do you just like to just exactly exactly it has some cool functions it uh, one of my favorite is portfolio function and then i can okay. uh, upload uh offload my portfolios i can uh process the data and put it there so i can share it with my colleagues with my firm with my uh analyst and uh, so sure. and bloomberg constantly working on this feature so bloomberg basically bloomberg consists of the screens and uh yeah. they come up come up with the new screen they say okay this is a uh, new screen just type this and this is completely isolated module mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, it's more successful sometimes it's less successful uh I do think I do have a feeling that simple tools simple screens are more successful 
So the screen which gonna tell me what to yeah. buy, what to sell, probably not gonna use because uh, probably it has no value. But the screen which helps me to process my data and uh, the screen which is only the instrument uh, to the data, I, I like those type of screens in general. Okay, great. So, you know, you were working there for a while, you know, you got really interested and then you thought about coming up with, you know, this platform. Um, walk me through how you came up with the idea, the problem, and then, you know, your initial first MVP and um, also your team. You know, did you have anybody else? You know, there was a guy that threw something on your desk. Uh, did you make that guy your co-founder or um, did you just do this on your own? Maybe you can walk me through that. Yeah, this is my co-founder and um, we have a team which is uh, distributed over the okay. Prague, Amsterdam, uh, Dubai and Moscow because I was originally from Russia. Uh, we have a team in sure. Moscow and it's quite good developers there, to be honest. So, but we have uh, the key people in Prague, uh, Amsterdam and Dubai. So that's that's the team. Um, Arian is my co-founder still. So um, mm -hmm. how we get to the idea... Um, we were trying to get the derivative market uh, because the derivative market something uh, I know very well about and because it's the biggest market and quite conservative market at the same time. So if you look at the financial sector, it's probably less uh, renovated sector in the global economy. And at the same time, it's the biggest sector and um, derivative market is, is the biggest market, 1.5 quadrillion, I think, okay. on some estimations. So that was quite easy to come up sure. with the idea. So it was naturally for us. And uh, how to approach it, we were trying to start with uh, options. At that, that time, we started uh, to build something uh, a year ago, around a year ago, and we were trying to build options. And uh, we built something, uh, the prototype, then we rebuilt it, uh, then we looked, uh, okay, the ecosystem is growing, Ethereum is changing, so we have some cool oracles, let's rebuild it again. Then we decided to add some futures, some uh, CDSs at the end, and we were rebuilding it many times. Uh, and at some point I understood uh, that all the derivatives um, have the same logic in terms of blockchain. So every time we do a derivative, and it doesn't matter if it's future option or CDS or anything exotic, let's say we do a derivative with you, we put a margin. So we put margin because uh, you need to guarantee you need to put some collateral at the table. Otherwise, I never find you. So it's a blockchain. We don't have legal contracts. Sure. Uh, it should be there. Yeah? So uh, it's it's unavoidable. Uh, we need to put margin. So that's, do you that's, relate that to staking? Because you're putting in, you know, is that kind of similar to that concept where, you know, you if you want to be part of the network, you have to kind of, put some money in, or do you think that's kind of looked at separately than the whole concept of staking? Uh, that, that, that's that's uh, staking, uh, uh, it's a different story, but it, it's the same concept. So the concept is that if you okay. don't put anything on a blockchain, you cannot be trusted there. So, because if I only promise yeah. with my uh, public address, I promise something to you, then uh, I just leave my address, mm -hmm. you never know uh, where I am. So sure. you need to put something on the table. That's, that's the underlying principle. And that's uh, true for derivatives. Yeah. And that's one of the principles we use in the Opium Protocol, uh, that uh, when two parties come together, they put something on the table. And then uh, price coming, uh, is it price of gold? Is it price of oil? Is it price of US dollar versus euro? Doesn't matter so much. And then uh, after the maturity, the redistribution of this margin is coming. So uh, if you put 100 and 100, I don't know, coins, uh, you may end up with 150 and I end up with 15 then. 
at the end. Mm -hmm. So if you were lucky okay, and if okay. you were right, other, or uh, other way around, or maybe you get whole 200. So, uh, and that's the logic of the almost any derivative on a blockchain. So you put margin at the beginning and you have, uh, you, you take mm -hmm. something from the table at the end. So we decided to use this principle sure. and uh, don't uh, design options, futures, CDSs, or other derivatives, but design a syn uh, synthetic formula for derivatives. So mm -hmm. if you can tell the formula how the margin is going to be redistributed at the end, uh, you can create any derivative. So basically, future, what I'm trying to say again, that future CDS option differs in this uh, blockchain concept only with the formula of the redistribution. For future, it's going to be, okay, if oil goes up, then you uh, have proportional. For CDS, it's going to be, if oil really goes down, then you have your insurance, otherwise you don't have it. So this formula identifies okay. your derivative. And that's, that's how Opium Protocol works in simple. Okay. So uh, Opium Protocol, uh, it's like a system which you need to plug in the logic or the recipe of your derivative and the logic or the recipe mm -hmm. of your price feed, and then you have a, automatically the derivative there. So we okay. took out we took out the derivative logic and the Oracle logic uh, as an interface. You can write your own in Solidity and plug it in. You can have thousands of them, and Opium will work with any of them. So with any logic okay. of redistribution of the margin. Okay. Do you think you can pop open a really quick demo on your screen? Uh, I don't have a screen actually from the phone, so uh, and oh, you we just put. Don't okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we just. We put can a, know what we'll do is we can. We can put some screenshots in there later. I can edit the video. Yeah, um, sure. But you know, maybe you can talk a little more about the. Um, you know, let's let's take a step back, right? You talked about some complex things. The audience may not be. Um, as sophisticated in the in in these specific products, so um, maybe taking a step back, right? A you know, maybe you can walk through uh, what a derivative is, and you know, what coins you're creating derivatives of. Is it really just the the top forty coins, or um, is it just completely a brand new synthetic product? Um, so I okay, think kind of sure. simplifying sure. it a little more might be helpful for the audience. Uh, let me also simplify the idea of uh, Opium Protocol then. Um, to explain it really simple, it's an ecosystem which can learn about the derivative type. So you explain your derivative, mm -hmm. how it works, and you explain how the yeah. price fit works. Once you explain it to this ecosystem, you can have the product on chain. Automatically with uh, all kinds of features that I'm not going to talk about because then it's going to be complicated. But that's that's the idea of Opium. So just learning ecosystem to trade, settle, okay. uh, create any derivatives. And you can create any, what is in the market, it can be created within Opium uh, within an hour. So that's uh, quite interesting. But uh, answering your question, uh, sure. Um, so what is, what is derivative? Um, to start with, I would say that derivatives market is always uh, bigger than the market of the underlying assets. So, and this is interesting. And uh, explaining why so, I would also answer the question, what is derivative? Uh, derivative is a synthetic instrument, so it's uh, agreement uh, between two counterparties uh, about uh, the PNL uh, or who is owning to whom. 
at the end of this contract. Mm -hmm. So the easy, easiest, easiest example is a future contract. Suppose I produce, uh, I produce wheat, I'm a farmer. And uh, mm -hmm. I want to sell the wheat, the wheat uh, in the end of the year. And if sure. uh, the wheat is go getting cheap, uh, basically I have a problem. If the wheat is uh, getting expensive, then I, I'm, I'm happy, but I don't want to run this risk because that's not my business. My business is uh, being a farmer and not uh, betting on the price of mm -hmm. what, I gr what I'm growing. And you suppose you have a bread factory and you're buying this wheat and you have opposite interest. So you're uh, happy if the price is going down, so then it's cheap for you, then you can sell your bread uh, with higher margin. And uh, other way around, if it uh, gets uh, expensive, you have a problem. So uh, normally, that's a very, very classical example, very, very simple example. Uh, we make an agreement that after one year, uh, I sell it to you for the fixed price, which is fair and close to price at the moment. And uh, I'm, I don't take the risk of uh, my product going up or down. And you don't take the risk uh, either. However, risks are opposite. <laughs> So basically, this is example uh, uh, from the like uh, the, the book about derivative, the first example from there probably. What I want to say that this is just exchange of the risk. So we have opposite risks, so we exchange them and we're both happy. Mm -hmm. So derivatives, in fact, is just exchanging of the risk. If you look at CDS, if you look at the structured product, if you look at uh, ABS, uh, it's exchanging of the risks. And uh, who is interested? It's uh, normally uh, people who have business and uh, they like to get rid of certain risks from their business and they like to take sure. maybe extra risks sometimes. And big uh, hedge funds, institutional players, uh, because they can make money off it. They kind of experts, mm -hmm. they see, okay, this risk is traded too cheap or this risk is traded too expensive. They would like to sell it or to buy it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's one of the reasons uh, why the derivative market is so big. Another reason uh, that uh, it's really convenient to trade because uh, I can, suppose I'm a kind of hedge fund, but uh, I'm just a trader sitting at home and I have strong opinion about the oil. I think oil should go up. I want to make money out of it. So I don't have any business with oil, but I want, I want to speculate just like a hedge fund. Uh, okay. it's, really, it's really difficult to buy 10 tons of oil put it in my backyard, store it, uh, probably my neighbors are not happy, and so on, if I want to make money on it. Sure. So, uh, but it's really easy to go to the derivative market uh, to buy a future for 10 tons of oil or even 100 tons of oil. I just need to yeah. put some margin, margin and legal things. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I can have exposure, uh, leverage exposure with the cash settlement. Cash settlement means that uh, after the maturity of the contract, I just get or uh, pay money, which I own according yeah. to this, uh, th th this agreement. So I'm buying 10 tons. So sure. here you go. So that's, that's another reason. So trading uh, underlying instruments uh, or cash instruments is always much more difficult and expensive at the same time. If I look at the mm -hmm. boom future, probably most liquid future in the world, the spread there sometimes is zero. So I can buy and sell for the same price. And if I okay. look at the cash in instruments, it's always some spread and uh, it can be quite big. 
So yeah. uh, just just make a summary because I explain a lot, uh, and sure. I, I know. So, sorry if I explain it in a complicated way because I normally don't think what is derivative. I'm trading them uh, for like ten years. Yeah. <laughs> I never ask myself what is derivative, but derivative is a synthetic contract between counterparties. Uh, most of the time, uh, it's cash settled. Means uh, mm -hmm. if certain underlying go, goes up and down in a certain way, that I pay you money or you pay me money according to the agreement. And this agreement, actually, that's what we're putting outside of the blockchain that's an open protocol called derivative recipe. Okay. So I don't know if I understand. And I have your website up here. Yeah. No, no, that was helpful. You know, and I have your website here to kind of give the audience an overview. Um, you know, I don't know if there's any product shots in here. I thought I saw something. Did you have something in Telegram that was... Um, that showed some of the the platform, or um, if not, that's fine. We can we can pull it up. Yeah, later. you can um, you can go to alpha.dib.one. Okay, let's do that. Alpha. Dot dib. DID. Yeah, distributed investment bank. Dot one. Okay, and let's do that. And then that's the first uh, front end yeah. and the first relay for the. Opium protocol. You can build anything on Opium, so it's free to build. It's an ecosystem which uh, allows you to build uh, anything from uh, simple derivative exchanges to like sport betting. Can you see my? Can you see my screen? Uh, hardly. So it's alpha dot dib dot one. Did dot one. You don't, so you don't see. Them. But one one not like a digit, but like a, a letters. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah let's try that. See if that helps. Uh, uh, you know what? It's not working. Otherwise, otherwise you go to dib.1 and then there is a link. D is in David? Distributed Investment Bank. Oh, dib.1. Here we go. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so where do I go? What's uh, what's something I can pull up here? I just click cl click on trade button. Trade. It's, uh, Start trading. Yeah, sure. Okay. Start trading alpha. So this is uh, so your product is integrated into this. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. that's uh, the first uh, let's say usage. Uh, just close it, uh, and you mm -hmm. you will still yeah. see the main functionality. Cool. That's like exchange. So you see the order book, you see the chart, yeah. you see the products that we put there. Uh -huh. uh, we built the first front end, and uh, just to show uh, how that works. Uh, sure. That, that's example. We have some uh, bots trading there. We, we, we trade there sometimes ourselves, mm -hmm. and uh, anyone can build on Opium. Anyone can create such a system, and uh, the liquidity going to be shared. So Opium is a platform okay. uh, which you can build on. And the cool thing that sure. uh, if we're talking about sport games, for example, it's also uh -huh. derivative if you think about it. Because we okay. make an agreement. That's interesting. Uh, we make an agreement. I, I put some margin on the table. You put some margin on the table. Yeah. And we make an agreement that if this uh, <laughs> football team uh, wins, that uh, you pay me. Otherwise, I pay you. Or we can make complicated sure. agreement, like if uh, this, uh, I don't know, racing uh, car go, uh, goes uh, in first free on the finish, then I pay you, otherwise you pay me. That's all Yeah. That's all derivatives, in fact. So you can also build it sure. on Opium. Sure, no problem. Uh, and, this, is uh, a, this is pretty interesting. I mean, like, so 
So Andre, you know, which, you know, who are your biggest competitors? Because today, you know, on the institutional side, right, with actual securities, um, you're already using something that's institutional grade, like a Bloomberg or something. But what's interesting about this is you can create, a, you can create options and derivatives for anything, right? So for, you know, anybody that's really in finance that understands this stuff, um, they can set up some type of fun uh, contract with their friends on a horse race, exactly. like you said, or hey, I, 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 um, I want to bet, you know, I want to bet that this one, you know, this thing is going to happen with the election or, you know, some life event. Now you can create um, options, futures, um, and other types of contracts. Is that correct? Yeah, sure. And the cool thing okay. that it's all, all the liquidity going to be on the opium protocol. Stuff. Okay, that's uh, great. And then who are your biggest competitors, though? So when you, is there anybody else that can do this based on, you know, you, you know, using smart contracts and using a similar platform um, for just creating options for anything? Well, I don't like the word competitors because we're a very early stage. And I think everybody who is busy now with uh, the same type of things, first of all, uh -huh. they're doing the right, the right thing. So uh, I, I think we are all on the a, on a right track and yeah. second of all i think in, in this and this huge market so 1.5 quadrillion per year mm -hmm. uh we have maybe five teams who is doing uh, the, the same type of things uh it's not competition yet so uh i think uh, and we, we, if you look at the defi community uh it's quite uh helping each other so i don't i don't feel like a competition i feel like uh, we're trying to build together something something cool and uh, sure. instead of competing, uh, we're always open to integrating <laughs> with other protocols to speak this, uh, yeah. them the same language. So I, I don't feel like a competition at all. Uh, but uh, if you look at uh, other, other companies like Augur, they are doing prediction markets. It's a little bit different, yeah. but uh, uh, it's less financial because we have financial uh, type of logic embedded in our protocol. You can trade a sure. spread, for example. Uh, what it means? It means that most of the time, like a trader, I don't trade uh, shares A or shares B, uh, but I want to exchange the share <laughs> A for share. Let's say I want to trade Google to Google shares to Amazon shares, and I, I'm ready to pay 20 cents difference. I don't care where the sure. Google uh, is traded and Amazon is traded, but I do care that I want to swap them with 20 cents difference. This is especially true for fixed income because uh, people roll one bond to another or one future to another, and they do care about the difference. They don't care about uh, the absolute prices. So it's embedded in our protocol, and you can trade this spread uh, directly like a combined order. So it means uh, it's going to be executed all or nothing. It's, you're not going to end up that you sold your Google and uh, you didn't buy your Amazon. It's either it's going to be mm -hmm. traded as a spread or not traded at all. And uh, yeah. this is cool. This sure. is cool. This is probably most more than half of uh, all trading I've done. Uh, for the reason also that uh, I, a lot of managers like to trade alpha. What, what it means, uh, maybe for less complicated uh, listeners, uh, alpha is like uh, the specific risk of the company. Suppose, uh, let's talk about this, this example, Boeing. Yeah, so Boeing was down, shares of Boeing uh, was down because of these events. And I actually like the company because it's a big company. Uh, I can explain it, but I like it. Yeah? 
and I want to buy it okay. uh, without the risk of the equity because equity is still uh, can go up and down and it's still expensive, I think, so it can go down. But Boeing, I like and I want to buy it. So I want to buy okay. alpha, alpha risk of Boeing. So means I want to be exposed to the Boeing, but not to be exposed in the market. So what I do normally, sure. I buy a future for the Boeing and I sell a future for a market. So I'm kind of trading spread. If Boeing goes yeah. uh, up comparing to the market, I'm making money or I'm losing money when Boeing going down comparing to the market. And I don't care about okay. the whole market. It can, it can go down. And as, as long as Boeing is doing better than the market, I'm earning. And this is a very yeah. uh, primitive example of the spread trade. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, tr it's used a lot by the fund managers, by the hedge funds, uh, by very yeah. com complex derivatives. And it's, for example, embedded in our protocol uh, on, a, on a, like, a protocol level. Uh, so uh, this, is, uh, this is, I was talking about difference uh, to Augur, for example. We have some more financial uh, logic embedded. And sure. th there are, of course, cool, cool projects, uh, DYDX and uh, some other, uh, which look at the same thing. Uh, I don't think we compete with them. And uh, I yeah. think we, we're doing a good thing together. Yeah, and I think the the ecosystem for um, crypto and the blockchain space. I mean, a theme that I've been seeing is a lot of projects now doing um, doing really cool things with interoperability and integrations, right? So Cosmos and Polkadot, <clears throat> they're building a lot of technologies for chains um, to be able to have communication cross chain and just be able to provide you know those integration layers. So I think that's a great attitude to have in this space where it's not really a competition, but it's a very close partnership. That's why these, these technology solutions are called projects as opposed to startups or companies. Right. I think that whole concept yeah. of, um, you know, being open source, that's a different attitude um, than, you know, how public markets are. Right. Um, so I think that's very interesting. Um, do you see any institutions kind of taking this on at some point? I mean, you know, it looks like you're getting, so if you're doing something with Boeing's market, right, you're pulling in, where are you pulling in the market data? It's just a typical data provider. Uh, actually at the moment we have solution where you can take it from Bloomberg, Yahoo, Google, from, uh, internet, okay. uh, with the signature yeah. of Amazon. So it's secure. It's like our work. Yeah. And okay. Uh, okay. We, we can make some processing of the data. So uh, we take outliers uh, out first and then we do some average. So it means that even uh, if one sure. of the source is hacked, so it's going to be outlier, it's going to be <laughs> taken out. And th this type of logic we, we use. Uh, talking about yeah. corporations, I think that, that that can be a competition for the whole community because I don't, I don't think we compete within the community, but I think the whole community is kind of, kind of yeah. competing with uh, big corporations. Uh, and the whole uh, crypto yep. world is kind of community competing with uh, corporations with the classical financial world and saying, hey, uh, we can do something uh, cool uh, without uh, a bank. So the Bitcoin uh, works, nobody can shut it down and uh, I can really own my coins comparing to my, my money in the bank or something else, which I never legally uh, own my money. Uh, that, that, that's a philosophy. Well, I, I think... think uh, well, I think what's interesting, you know, maybe the same concept of not being a competitor, but, um, you know, providing a custom solution to a bank as far as creating a unique product, right? So maybe there's a small 
boutique buy side firm um, that has clients that just really, really love horse racing. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, they know that the clients really love horse racing. They sell them their typical products, but you could essentially create a custom financial product based on some event. And as long as you have the data feeds, you can create an option or a derivative pretty much on anything, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that for me is kind of interesting. Um, and it because sounds it's be, like... It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be 24 seven. You can put some regulation like KYC unit, or you can decide to put no regulation. Yeah. So it's very flexible. And uh, you don't pay uh, huge commissions. Because another thing mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to emphasize uh, that uh, with plain der derivatives, I said uh, it can be very cheap to trade and the bid ask can be sure. almost the same. But with complex okay. derivatives, uh, of course, it's not the same. And uh, when the big banks, I'm not going to name, put any names, uh, but there is <laughs> one, ba one bank who really likes to do it. Uh, they like to call you sure. so, uh, as, as, as a buy uh, side manager. They like to call you and try to sell you some untransparent product uh, where you don't okay. actually understand uh, fully the risk you're buying or selling, which looks attractive. But yeah. uh, even, if, even you know the risk, it's very difficult to price it. So, and what it means, mm -hmm. yes, it means that uh, they can put any margin there and uh, you're not going to uh, notice how much margin do they receive? So they're making uh, huge margins on very untransparent products. So uh, just yeah. by repacking the risk, sure. making it untransparent, and sometimes this, they uh, buy risk from you, sell it to me, uh, they repack it uh, on a way and put huge margins. And I'm not fully understand sure. what, what the price should be. That, that, that's, that's very classical. And even worse, sometimes they sell, uh, they, they buy risk from me, they repack it and they sell it to me back uh, with a huge margin that, that that's even oh, uh, wow. smarter okay that happens yeah so andre you talked about yeah you talked about risk right so two things i want to talk about for risk tell me a little more about counterparty risk how that's a big issue with the derivative space and then um you know there's leverage right so for the audience uh maybe you can educate them a little bit about those two risks sure I, it's kind of the same thing uh because the counterparty risk is crucial and as I said, uh, I mm -hmm. cannot claim anything from you legally uh, if we on a blockchain space. So I need to trust that you put there, uh, I don't know, 500 DAI as a margin. Uh, yeah. And that's the maximum I can get from it. Uh, that's at, at the beginning of our deal. I know that uh, I'm not going to get more. I'm, I'm assuming I'm not going to get more. So and uh, therefore you don't trade if I, if I buy a call option. So uh, it should cover me, mm -hmm. uh, in theory, it should co cover me on any amount. But uh, on practice, yeah. uh, of course, on blockchain, it's not, it's not like this because there is a maximum. So the call option beca becoming a call spread, what we call a call spread. But if you think uh, about the real world, it's, yeah, it's, it's sure. also kind of the same. Uh, it's also kind of the same and my uh, upside is not uh, going to uh, infinity. And we know 2008, for example, when all the instruments were correlated yeah. and uh i assume that i the bank gonna lehman brothers gonna pay me something but lehman Bre brothers mm -hmm. uh is a bankrupt because of all these things and i have nothing yeah. so it's also never never uh infinity uh upsides so it's also a spread in fact in a in the classical markets but it's yeah. it just less less transparent yeah. and um less uh easy and uh with investment banks so the counterparty risk is, is, is a key. Yeah. So uh, 
you need to uh, understand how much risk do you run at the moment. And okay. uh, the, margin, the margin you put in the system, that's my upside. But that's also the, the risk because uh, I can have exposure uh, of 1,000 euros just putting uh, 200 at the table. It sure. means uh, every, every time the product is going to go uh, more than 200 up or down, uh, that that's my maximum uh, gain or loss. Uh, that, that's from one side, it's marginal trading. Then I am I, exposing to the risk uh, that is more than my uh, initial margin. But from another side, it's just a smart way of uh, trading. The derivative because mm -hmm. I never going to put uh, the, the whole underlying otherwise it's not so interesting and I don't need to put the whole thousand suppose we let's make an example let's make it easier for uh, non-financial people suppose we're trading gold and it's suppose it's traded at a thousand right now so uh, suppose it's uh, just the future so you're making money when it goes up and I'm making money when it goes down so uh, and mm -hmm. we can put two hundred dollar uh, margin both to make such a contract and you know when it's gonna go, go up, you make some money, but not more than 200. Uh, the same for me, when it goes down, I'm not gonna make okay. more than 200 from, from which you put on your side. So that's uh, how it can be done on a blockchain and there's no other way around. Uh, and can be looked sure. as a marginal trading because you put some margin uh, of 200 and you're trading for a thousand, but yeah. uh, that's, uh, that's actually not so dangerous if I understand the risk which I run. If I understand that gold not gonna go uh, 500 more or less within one day, uh, if I anal uh, I'm aware of volatility of the gold, uh, I analyze it carefully, then that, mm -hmm. that's fine. That's not a big deal. Okay. You just need to know, you just okay. need to understand and understand the risk uh, which you buying or selling, and uh, blockchain uh, helps. Sure. And what is the next? Uh um, integration that you're looking, uh, you know, about building, you know, for you kind of on your roadmap, you know, now you have the product, um, some, you know, some users are using it, they're integrating with it. Um, what do you plan to do now? It's around, it's going to be June soon. Um, what, yeah, for the rest of the year, what are some goals that you have? Well, first of all, we want to focus on derivatives and we want to uh, have this one expertise, but uh, very deep. Mm -hmm. And we have some ideas how to do it. So we will uh, bring some other derivatives to Opium. Uh, we will clone them. We will try to bring some liquidity and make some uh, easier and better product. And okay. uh, uh, sec second of all, uh, we, we want to launch some attractive products because uh, people uh, like to trade something new. They like to uh, go to the platform when they see there is mm -hmm. something cool which they never saw before. So one of the things, uh, okay. for example, vol volatility index. So uh, actually you can trade volatility. Sure. Uh, means uh, if I have long volatility position, I'm earning money when volatility goes up. And that's a very- Oh, uh, interesting. Th th that's very demanding thing. So uh, if you know that something gonna yeah. happen, something uh, suppose bad or good gonna happen, you're sure that volatility yeah. gonna go up. So it's gonna be a lot of movements, but you're not sure which direction. So it's gonna be. So. Then sure. you would like to go long. And does Augur, does Augur have, yeah, sorry about that. I was just curious before I forgot. So does Augur also have derivatives and these type of contracts or is it more of just kind of a prediction market? I guess, is there an opportunity right. for them to kind of your, your technology to kind of, you know, 
do more complex derivative stuff or do they have some stuff already? Uh, it's very close to each other. So uh, prediction market okay. and derivative market, they're very close to each other. I just explained it. Uh, in the financial world, there is more like uh, specific things, spread trading, some portfolio management, uh, certain yeah. uh, second layer of derivatives uh, exist. And prediction mm -hmm. market, is, it's, it's a plain, uh, plain derivative. Let's, let's put it like this. So, but it's uh, still okay. can be viewed as, as a, so we just want to go more deeper. So, and more financial. Yeah, sure. And uh, Ogre Project is cool. It's just focused on this uh, prediction market, which is maybe more clear for the non-financial people. Everybody understands yeah, yeah. how to make a sure. bet about, about Trump or about sport events. So it's just easier. Yeah. So this is much deeper. This is for probably even more sophisticated investors and, you know, mostly, you know, probably institutions as well. Exactly. Oh, right. I mean, it seems like those custom products, I, you know, me, I always think about the visual experience, you know, having some trending products or some new products that they can um, pick at and use. Right. So then if they see that product, they like it. There's like this volatility index. How do, how do they pick it and pull it into their system? Can they, can they pull it into their Bloomberg terminal somehow, or would they have yeah, to sure. just kind of work separately into your, your interface? No, no, no. Uh, we have open, open, open interfaces oh. in Opium, so every, everybody can program. So if you like, you can okay. program a okay. certain market uh, on the sports, yeah. sport bets, and you can make a front end, or even sure. uh, we can give you give you a front end because uh, we constantly upgrade it, and we decided just to also share it with people. Uh, yeah. So the, the institutional investors they actually like the projects. I, I spoke to uh, mm -hmm. my uh, ex colleagues and I uh, in, in US, yeah. uh, UK, here in Netherlands. And the only thing, uh, mm -hmm. guess what? They don't like one thing, and, and, and don't like, don't like. Okay. They maybe not not so not so positive about one thing. Yeah. And uh, try to guess what it is. Um, I don't know. I mean, the I, yeah, it's, I don't, it's, I, it's the name. I, I, you know, it looks it's the name. Oh, the name. It's the name. Yeah, you know what? I was going to ask you that. How'd you come up with the name? Were you taking some opium while you were building the product? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> not I, for the record, I have, right? I have very, very smart people in the team, and sometimes they look like uh, they they took something. Yeah. But I think that's uh, just mathematical type <laughs> of uh, brain. It's not an opium. But uh, I don't know. One of my friends he said it's a cool name, so it's not used uh, by anyone. Yeah. It cannot be copyright. So you sure. can uh, say okay, uh -huh. you can use it. You can use it. And uh, yeah. one of the things that once you hear it, you never forget it. So if we make another uh, <laughs> ABC, uh, I don't know, blue ocean, uh, this and that sure. and that, uh, it's, it's, it's quite uh, difficult to remember. But once you hear opium, yeah. okay, you know. And for institutional investors, I already said, uh, once we're going to go big <laughs> and uh, they would like to use it and uh, they, 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 they want it. Uh, they want a connection, they can call it O2 yeah. so, instead of Opium. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that sounds, uh, that sounds no, but a little more friendly. Um, seriously, they, they, that's the only comment I, I got because they fully understand okay. the concept and uh, we're on the same page. Yeah. They need to ask the right sure. questions. Uh, the only comments mm -hmm. I heard about the Opium name. Okay. So no other bad feedback. What other products do they want, right? You talked about the volatility index. Do they share any other feedback on just things that they want um, that, that they really, really would love for you to add to the platform as far as custom products? Or do they prefer to just do the, everything 
themselves. Because it's helpful too when you have some ready-made products, right? You can just kind of pull them in, you can use them, um, you know, because that, that might help with your roadmap too. Uh, I was just curious about that. So uh, they, from one side, they uh, afraid, let's put it like this, that uh, it's going to kill uh, Potentially, not not opium, maybe, but the technology uh, yeah, going to kill a no. big part of their business. From another side, they have a huge expertise, uh, and they can mm -hmm. uh, still uh, operate. Uh, not not in providing the back office operation, but providing the pure knowledge. Uh, just like insurance company, I was yeah. talking to one insurance company, and they sure. said it's genius, genius because mm -hmm. they can uh, stop doing all the back office uh, stuff uh, when uh, mm -hmm. the blockchain will be able to process it but they have uh, a lot of actuarial yeah, knowledge. Yeah. They, they know exactly the price of any risk. So if this uh, blue car going to yeah. go to the car accident uh, next month, they mm -hmm. kind of know everything. And then they can, use, sure. can be uh, playing on the same market, uh, but like uh, knowledge providers, like, like an expert, like a hedge fund if yeah. you want. So they, they see the sure. risk which is cheap and they buy it. So making the price fair and they see the risk which is expensive. They sell it, making the price fair. So it's good for the, for the whole market. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of the evolution of technology, right? I mean, some jobs are going to go away where some jobs are going to change um, or they're just going to get repurposed. But there are some jobs that are going to go away and they're never going to come back. Um, yeah, sure. Um, but it's I think constantly this, happening. Yeah, I think in this space... Yeah, I mean, if you look historically, right, we don't have a blacksmith anymore, right? There's a, yeah. there's a machine that manufactures things at scale, um, but a blacksmith was um, somebody that was important. I mean, an Uber driver is somebody that's very relevant. But once we go fully autonomous, uh, the Uber drivers might have to eventually learn how to code or, or maybe manage operations or something like that, right? Um, so what, what do you think? You know, maybe we'll close out with a couple, um, you know, just thoughts on just general um, things about the future, right? So where do you... Where do you see, you know, now you're building this technology, what are some other emerging technologies in open finance um, that you think are going to really transform, uh, you know, just the whole concept of currency and trading and financial markets? Well, I think it's a combination of artificial intelligence, uh, blockchain, big data. So, yeah. um, you know, I was, uh, one of my hobbies was uh, drones. Actually, I was making one drone myself. And uh, during... Oh, uh, interesting. It was nothing in the market, so it was like also three, four years ago. So I built my first drone, and during this, uh, I was busy with buying all the small parts for it uh, in China, uh, in US, so and building it. So what I what I learned that uh, all yeah. kind of technology is already there. So maybe it's not obvious, but if you go to mm -hmm. Alibaba and you you see already that yeah. you can buy very small sensor, uh, ultrasound, uh, computer vision, anything for mm -hmm. three five bucks. So it's there, yeah. it's going to be delivered to you. You can connect it to Raspberry, which you put uh, open source artificial intelligence and you can create a lot. So but you don't see it yet. So I think sure. that now it's a moment when the innovation is really uh, made some progress, but it's not implemented uh, yeah. in real life yet. And uh, it, it will be implemented and uh, the combination, not, not only blockchain, but when you combine blockchain with artificial mm -hmm. intelligence, uh, you use big data. This combination gonna be uh, very successful, and I'm sure I'm sure it's gonna be uh, much further much further than uh, Uber drivers in Amsterdam. If you come to Amsterdam, welcome to Amsterdam, by the way. Uh, but uh, if, if you if you hear, 
uh, we will host you very well. But yeah, uh, right. when, you, when, you, when you go to the airport, uh, there's all uh, Teslas there. So the Amsterdam uh, government yeah. uh, Teslas as a taxi. So, and you're not allowed... Oh, wow. uh, nice. You, you cannot buy uh, from next year, from 2020, you cannot buy uh, uh -huh. a gas car anymore in Poland. New. new. So really? all cars are all, all fine, but uh, all the new cars are going to be electric. <laughs> That's the law already. Yeah. So it, it's changing, it's changing uh, very fast. Uh, one thing maybe sure. also to mention, because sure. the previous question was about uh, the institutional investors. One thing to mention that uh, they care about regulation a lot. Because uh, they don't like mm -hmm. the regulation, uh, when, when there's uh, current regulation, so it's like me, sure. it means two, 200 uh, regulators, if I'm a fund manager, uh, around 200 in Europe. They don't like it, mm -hmm. uh, and it's only getting worse. But they also don't like where there's no regulation, because when, when there's no regulation, uh, all kind of scam and uh, bad behavior, let's say, possible on financial markets. Yeah. So sure. it should be a balance. It should be a balance. It should be simple and reasonable regulation, uh, because zero regulation, uh, I think, not going to work. But uh, mm -hmm. definitely not so so much as it is right now. So it's two extremes, I think. Yeah. And uh, they 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 that's what institutional investors are concerned about a lot. Maybe may not their concern. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you're not even, you know, you're building markets that may not even be related to crypto. You know, you could do, you know, you could use your platform for public markets, but again, right, um, making sure that you are working with the regulators. I think, I think the whole concept of Web 3.0, um, that that is interesting, and it's the next generation. Um, and there may be some, you know, decentralization, um, but as far as Web 3.0 you know, and the regular, I, I think you still, no matter what, have to bring on the regulators, right? Uber tried to just be this massive disruptor, but they still had to work with the mayor of New York and still play nice. Um, exactly, so exactly. With, with you, you know, you, what do you think about Web 3.0? What do you think is important to um, keep that in mind, um, to, to just, you know, get to that point where we really have a fully established Web, Web 3.0? Um. Can, can you rephrase it? Uh, because I'm not sure that uh, I understand the whole question. Uh, is it about regulation or in general? Okay. Yeah, that, maybe that was a long question or a confusing question on my end. But um, yeah, I mean, I just said in, in, in terms of Web 3.0, what's important for us to kind of get to that point where we have a fully developed uh, Web 3.0 and, you know, what, what things do we need to do with the regulators to, to make sure, um, you know, it's happening in the right way? Well, I think uh, so it should be it should be a dialogue with the regulation, uh, and uh, they yeah. definitely should should be aware. So I also mm -hmm. see that uh, there is maybe lack of the knowledge sometimes from the re regulator in many countries. Yeah, they just simply simply don't understand what's going on, and uh, sometimes uh, they see that uh, it's a big uh, hype, and uh, okay, they, they they support it, and uh, when the sure. price of Bitcoin going a little bit down, they. Uh, like a couple of days ago, the prime minister of Russia said that Russia is not interested anymore. Kind of, he said, mm -hmm. kind of this. Uh, it's not interested yeah. anymore in uh, blockchain because uh, the price is down uh, and it's probably not going to work. So that's the level uh, how they think about it, uh, and it's more or less everywhere on any levels in any government. Yeah. So they, they should be more okay. involved and, and aware. But this, this is true for the financial market also. So they, sure. 
I, I used to be with, uh, let's say, many uh, very high people from the governments uh, in a private yeah. uh, meetings uh, when I was running the fund. And uh, sometimes uh, they don't even know how financial market works. So some of them, I'm not saying okay. like, uh, all, all, all of them, but sometimes I was surprised and uh, I was like uh, keen to say, okay, go to the desk, look how it works. And uh, maybe then you yeah. have uh, some better law in parliament. <laughs> so, Well, I'll be honest. I mean, the stuff that you guys do, uh, you know, is really sophisticated. I mean, even for me, it's, it is complicated, you know? So when I tell you to kind of simplify it, it's secretly. So it's also so that I can understand it too. But um, it's, it's interesting because you do it every day in and out. Right. So it seems um, like it's a normal thing and it's super simple. Um, And I think about that sometimes too, you know, when I go to the doctor, right. I mean, the doctor says all these big, medical terms and they talk about you know diseases and i have no idea what they're talking about but sometimes they probably expect me to know exactly um everything and not not get worried um but for them it's kind of they see people die every day it's a normal thing that's their world right so it's kind of interesting um you know i think it's a good trait to be in the details, uh, be able to, you know, just be the thought leader. But then sometimes it's also hard to dumb it down for like other people because you have to be patient too. You're like, oh my gosh, these exactly. people need additional time to really absorb what I'm, what I do. Um, but so I really appreciate you uh, going deep, but then taking a step back as well. I think, you know, the, the audience will really appreciate that. So now I'm going to make you feel a little uncomfortable. I'm going to end with a couple surprise questions. Uh, first one is what's your biggest regret in life? My biggest regret. <laughs> That's a surprise. <laughs> See, you, you thought I was just going to be talking about financial markets, right? I'm going to go a little deeper. Yeah. If you looking back, you know, it could be anything, you know, you can open up here. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to be what, very, what honest. Biggest... Very, very honest with you and very direct. So, okay. uh, yeah. I can, uh, I'm quite positive about the life and, uh, everything that yeah. happened, I think it uh, happened uh-huh. for a reason for the time and, uh, it was different, but one of the regrets probably were, yeah. I have no children yet. And, uh, I would like, okay. uh, m- maybe having them at year age of 25, uh, would be a cool idea because, yeah. uh, I was postponing yeah. it a long time. Yeah. No, a lot of people do that. I mean, especially in the, in the um, you know, when you're, when you're running a business, it's, you have to kind of have um, different priorities, right? I, you know, I look at Mark Cuban, you know, Mark Cuban's pretty successful. He was a billionaire at a young age, but I think he only got married in his mid forties. Um, and, and I think he only had kids later, but you know, everybody, everybody has things they look back on. And I think it's always a trade-off, right? I mean, you can, you can take all your energy and focus on your career. Um, but then maybe there's other parts that you didn't have focus on. And I think looking back, that's when you, um, you know, when you experience that. Um, okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. I guess one more question, you know, what would you tell your, yourself uh, maybe 10 years ago? Is there any advice? Now you're living in today. Um, is there anything that you would have, you know, you would have given yourself advice on or, or, or not? Um, and I've heard different responses. Um, so it's kind of interesting to hear what people um, have to say. I, I have things, I have things I would tell myself, like, you know, when I was 15. Um, but yeah, I'll, this is about yeah, you. De- de- definitely, <laughs> definitely. I would say uh, to myself, uh, one thing, uh, Many things, but the, the main thing, if, if I can say only one thing, I would say it is normal. Because, you know, we live, uh, 
in a yeah. in a society, a Western society, uh, we we worry too much about things. Uh, sometimes uh, things are not going the right way, and we think it's it's a disaster. Yeah. It should go differently. But you know, everything is happening. It, it, it is normal. Uh, all the crises, uh, all the fa- fails, all the success. It's it's all normal. It's part of the life. If we should, yeah. uh, if we can stop worrying about it and just accept uh, that life is not only about uh, Instagram pictures where everybody is happy and cool and rich <laughs> and so on, but it's it's also yeah. sometimes uh, fail and sometimes it's 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 normal that it's a rainy day. Uh, it's normal. It's a sunny day. Yeah. Uh, everything happening. It's normal. It's more important to be positive and just uh, sure. live your life happily. So. And I think it's those tough times that make you grow the most, right? I think those are your more formative years when you can get through those challenges. Um, I know I've gone through those, and I think you know those times uh, they've really made to just really um, develop character. Um, and I think if everything is easy all the time you're just gonna you know you're not gonna be able to be resilient um so I think, Absolutely, you know, it yeah. sounds like you you feel the same way yeah great yeah. well andre i know we took a lot of your time thank you so much for you know talking about your your product um i'm excited for you you know that's why i reached out to you i i really think there's a application here um so you know keep us posted you know if, I'll, I'll stay tuned on the telegram and, um, <clears throat> you know, if you want to give me an update in a couple months, I'm happy to get on the show again. And maybe we can invite a few other people in the financial space and do like a group, um, group forum and talk about what's, what's new and what's coming up. How's that sound? Sure. Sure. Thank you so Great. much. Thank you so much for interesting questions. And uh, if your audience is interested, so we always open. Yeah, we'll post it on Telegram and uh, we'll get some feedback and uh, hopefully get some more outreach for you. Uh, uh, on, on the platform. And again, congratulations and have a great weekend. Thank you so much. The same to you. Yeah. Take care, Andre. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.